We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Champagne on Ice podcast presented by the Field of 68. And yet again, another eventful week in the Illinois basketball world. Two wins against Michigan and Rutgers and some very big off-the-court news as well. And we'll discuss all of it here on the latest episode of the Champagne on Ice podcast. I'm Kyle Tosk, joined as always by my co-host, Mike Farmer and Mike, how was your first semester or first week of second semester? And uh, it's a, a lot better coming back from State Farm Center after a Sunday afternoon win than it was after a quad three loss, huh? Yeah, for sure. This week was a lot better. Uh, Michigan win, pretty exciting, fun to watch on TV. And then this game, just a couple hours ago, really fun. Got shaky a bit uh, in the second half, but closed out strong. Uh, pretty fun game overall. Yeah, definitely. And it was uh, definitely a, a big game for multiple reasons. Obviously, one on the basketball court, chance for Illinois to pick up another win. Uh, we talked about it last week after they lost to Maryland. You take care of two teams you're far better than in Michigan and Rutgers. You don't let it spiral into multiple bad losses. And we'll quickly forget about that loss against Maryland. Credit to Illinois, they did that. But they also got a boost on the court, and that's where I feel like we have to start. It would be remiss if we didn't start with the news that came out on Friday. We'll, we'll get back to the Michigan game at some point, and we'll talk about today's game, but got to start with the news from Friday that federal judge Colleen Lawless uh, issued a ruling uh, in Terrence Shannon's civil suit against the University of Illinois um, and uh, ruled in favor of a prelim preliminary injunction against the University of Illinois that effective immediately lifted Terrence Shannon Jr.'s suspension that the university imposed upon him on December 27th. Uh, and that's obviously very important news. It means Terrence Shannon now has at least a on-court resolution, not a legal resolution, but in terms of his playing status, he has a resolution, and that is that he can return to the team. Illinois quickly reinstated him on Friday, and he did play earlier today as we record this against Rutgers, and we'll get to that performance. But uh, obviously, really big news uh, to get Terrence Shannon back, and, and obviously still a, a sensitive situation doesn't mean that any guilt or innocence has been proven in a court of law yet it but it does mean that while that process is playing out that Terrence Shannon will be playing for the University of Illinois what was your reaction when you saw that news drop on Friday honestly pretty shocking I was playing basketball on campus one of my friends came up to me and he's like we're back baby I had no idea I was playing basketball I didn't check my phone or anything and I saw it a couple minutes later but honestly shocking news uh, I mean, good for him. He's back on the court. Good for the team. They got their star player back. Still, like you said, sensitive situation, still uh, legal situation yet to be resolved. But uh, really interesting. I, I didn't really expect this to happen at all, especially even this week. But look back to a month ago where we were looking at this case, like, is Terrence Shannon Jr. ever going to play again? Is he going to be an NBA player at some point? Just we still don't have answers for that, of course, but really interesting to see him back on the court. Uh, played a pretty good, pretty good game today. A big spark for the team, big spark for the fans, the fan base, and State Farm Center was pretty fun today. Yeah, and I think that's a an important point in all this too. He got a big standing ovation from the crowd when he entered the game, and obviously, I I think there's no denying that there's going to be a lot of different opinions and 
this Illinois program, him, everybody involved is going to kind of be under a, a national spotlight now. And I think that that's just what comes with the territory of having a student athlete charged with rape and have a situation that is this sensitive. And I, I think that is an important point because, yeah, the reaction from the crowd, it was very loud and uh, very supportive of Terrence. And um, I, there's plenty of people that maybe didn't like to see that. And obviously there's plenty of people that have no problem with that. And, um, you know, I know we haven't really shared personal opinions on this type of case and topic much, but I will just say in full transparency that I did stand up and uh, applaud Terrence when he entered the game. And I, I think I was very happy to see him back on the court. And now is part of that because he's a really good basketball player that's going to help my favorite basketball team win basketball games. Yes, absolutely. But it's also because a presumed innocent young man, and I say presume, that's the key word here. It doesn't mean I know for a fact that he's innocent, but in the United States, a legal foundation of this country is a presumption of innocence that's been afforded to Terrence Shannon Jr. It's the basis of the way the legal system works. It's the basis in which the judge ruled on Friday in which he's allowed to play. And so I was happy to see uh, currently a presumed innocent man who is back on the court smiling, um, being afforded the opportunity to continue boosting his future. And um, so and I'll just be transparent and say that I had no issue supporting him as he got back on the court and i know that people disagree with that and it's a, a topic that is very divisive and that's just going to be the case but um just thought i'd, I'd kind of share that and be be transparent with that because i think it was important and it was obviously a very lively environment in support of terrence today being back on the court um anything to add from your front you can share your personal thoughts you don't have to you could stick to basketball take it however you want no i i agree with you i was Kieran too. I think it's fair, like from an outsider outsider's perspective, like if you're an Indiana Purdue fan, Michigan fan, you see a guy get charged with rape and a month or later. Or just anybody. Or just anybody, you know. They, exactly. Sees yeah. this. But you see a guy get charged with rape, obviously, come back a month later to a standing ovation. It's interesting, like I see a lot of Illinois fans like talking to other people on Twitter saying, you haven't read the files, you don't you haven't studied the case or anything. Like, even the Illinois fans that have done that, like myself included, I'm sure you have too. I've read, like, everything available for us to see, which is a decent amount of information. But even with that, we still know pretty much next to nothing in terms of, like, the actual details of the case. Is there evidence? Is there not? We don't have an answer. So if you're going off of that, like, is it fair to cheer for him? Sure. He's the best player on your favorite team. I don't see why you're not cheering for him. I don't see why, why you're not standing up if everybody else is. I was too, but at the same time, I don't think anybody's going to sit there and boo him. Like he's innocent till proven guilty. Is he innocent? We don't know. Is he guilty? We don't know. We're not going to know that for a while, most likely. But until then, it's like I said, it's uh, he's a fun player. You're going to cheer for him. I I don't really see anything wrong with that. There's going to be people on Twitter talking. I'm sure for the next couple months, as long as he's playing, as long as Illinois fans are still supporting him, there's going to be people talking, which is to be expected. Like, it's a sensitive topic. People have their opinions, which is fine. Uh, but like like you did, I was cheering too. I, I don't see anything wrong with that at the time being with what we know as of right now. Yeah, and you mentioned there's there's public information available regarding the case. Doesn't mean it's all the information, but that obviously shapes opinions as well. Um, and there's obviously some people yeah. that maybe haven't gotten all that information or cared to look for that information and just see the the baseline of it and and that's obviously what is going to be the case for people that don't have a direct tie to Illinois basketball or just see it from an outsider's perspective and this is just going to kind of be a cloud that hovers over as long as Terrence is out there and, and until the legal process plays out which probably won't be until after uh, the season now the, the other update within the situation is that Terrence made his first uh, court appearance uh, in the criminal case on Thursday uh, via zoom uh, 
in Douglas County wasn't actually in Douglas County, he appeared via Zoom in a Douglas County courtroom. Um, and a preliminary hearing date has been set for February 23rd. So that will be his next court appearance uh, involving the criminal case. And, you know, maybe something comes of that, maybe it doesn't. And it, it still seems pretty likely that there won't be a legal resolution until after the season. So if Terrence Shannon is back for the rest of the season, which it seems like there's a likelihood that that's probably the case. I know that uh, part of Colleen Wallace's ruling on Friday indicated that uh, a preliminary injunction has an indefinite amount of time attached to it, but the indication within the ruling was that uh, the university needs to go through the OSCR policy, which is the Office for Student Conduct Resolution and afford Terrence his due process in that sense. So if that has a resolution, then maybe we see something updated. But uh, for now, it appears that Terrence will be back indefinitely. So uh, it's just going to kind of be a cloud that is over Illinois, and there's really nothing that we can do about that. And you know, unless there's new information that comes out, we're going to talk about Terrence Shannon's impact on the basketball court. And that's where I want to turn to next, because he did play against Rutgers first time since December 22nd against Missouri that he took the floor. Definitely some rust, especially in his jump shot. He didn't feel like he had his didn't feel like he had his legs back underneath them, left a lot of jumpers short. And I believe he was 0 for 4 from 3. Uh, four for ten overall, over oh, five from three, four for ten overall, sixteen points, four assists, and a steal. Still lethal in transition. Still an igniter when he gets out on a fast break and threw down one nasty dunk in transition that really just got the place electric. Uh, he's still going to do that. I'm sure he's going to shoot the ball better as he reintegrates himself. And uh, he didn't start in the game. He came off the bench. That was something that Brad Underwood said is is just part of reintegrating him into a team that has played without him for a while. Uh, but what did you make of how he looked out on the floor and how the team looked in general beat Rutgers today, 86-63? Yeah, I don't think – I honestly don't think he played particularly well. Like you mentioned, shooting 0 for 5 from 3, a couple air balls, looked sloppy on offense at times. The whole team really did. Like I think they shot sub-20% from 3, something like that, missed a lot of free throws, had a decent amount of turnovers. And you still win by 23 against – a decent Big Ten team, you're always going to take that. Uh, but like you mentioned, Terrence Shannon Jr. gets in the game, gets the ball in transition, throws two alley-oops, gets a couple assists. Took a while to get going uh, himself on the offensive end in terms of scoring. But when he did towards the end of the game, that last five, six minutes, I think he had maybe five points in a row. Gets the and one, gets the dunk, hits his free throws. And you start to see the guy that we saw about a month ago in that, in that Missouri game, uh, Tennessee, FAU, Marquette games, just a dominant guy. So good in transition. Didn't really see the shooting today. You saw a bit of the defense come back. He gets a steal. He's uh, clogging up passing lanes a little bit. Definitely looked a bit rusty. But I think overall the team was pretty solid in terms of when he was on the court. Like it, They didn't look like they slowed down at all. You got Goody still playing decent. Didn't have a great game today. But you see guys like Harmon, Demeth, they still get their points. You had five guys in double digits, double digit scoring today, just like you did against Michigan. So I, I really don't think the team lost anything. I think they gained, obviously, a really good player, and I don't think they're going to be slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, Justin Harmon, eighteen points today. He was really good, um, and uh, and yeah, I think it is funny because you put up 86 points against a Rutgers team who's top 10 in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency, top 25 in two-point percentage defense. You, like you said, what did they shoot? Six of 27 from three, 16 of 27 from the free throw line, and you put up 86 on a top 10 defense. I know Rutgers isn't great, mainly because they're one of the worst offensive teams in the high major level, but no one questions how good they are defensively. And they got Cliff Amore, who's averaging three and a half blocks a game that's sitting there in the paint, and you put up 86 when you don't make shots and don't make free throws. I mean, that is... If that doesn't tell you the offensive potential of this basketball team with Terrence Shannon back, I don't know what does. And that is really my biggest takeaway. And, I, and you could tie that back to the Michigan game as well, where I thought Illinois, for the most part, there were periods where I thought they got a little stagnant, but 88 points at Michigan and then 86 today. This is a team that during the six games that Terrence Shannon was out 
was the number three offense in college basketball, according to offensive efficiency metrics on Bart Torvik. And now you add back Terrence Shannon, who's averaging 22 a game. And, you know, I think without him, the half court offense was still great. And you, you found this style that you want to play the booty ball that Brad Underwood likes to call it and hunting matchups and letting Marcus Damask and Coleman Hawkins initiate and, I think that was working really well for this team. They were probably Brad Underwood's best, most efficient half-court offense that he's had at Illinois, even without Terrence Shannon. Now, maybe the Iowa and Kofi team in 2021 would be up there with them, but there was nothing wrong with this team on the offensive end. And now you're adding back Terrence Shannon, who if there was one thing you were missing when he was gone for those six games, it's that you weren't as lethal in transition. You played much slower. Now you add back maybe the most explosive transition player in the country, and you saw it today. Almost every Terrence Shannon bucket came in transition, and it's he's just an unstoppable force when he gets out in the open floor. So now you're adding that aspect back to your offense, and I'm sitting here and thinking about, is there any team in the country that can stop Illinois when they're on, on the offensive end, if Terrence Shannon is back? I don't know. And it's funny to say that because when we came into the season, our biggest question mark was, well, you don't have a true point guard. You're coming off a season where there was a lot of offensive struggles at times. Is, is this team good enough offensively? We even talked about it after the Marquette loss. Is this team going to be able to generate good enough offense? Well, you sit here today, and I think you got one of the better offensive teams in college basketball now adding back a whole new layer to it. And as Terrence gets more comfortable and starts getting his legs back underneath him, he'll start making shots again. And uh, this team is uh, might be an offensive juggernaut for the first time really under Brad Underwood because I think that's maybe been uh, something that has been a knock on his teams and can't say that this year. It's so interesting because – you look back like a month ago, a month and a half ago, and you see Illinois' top 10 in Ken Palm, and we're on this podcast talking about the defense is going to be the calling card of this team. The defense can carry them in March. And now you flash forward to today and you drop an 86 points, 88 points. You drop like 100 on FAU. And it's like you get a guy like Terrence Shannon Jr. back. I think I saw some. I could be wrong, but I think I saw something Brad Underwood said recently uh, about Terrence saying, like, we're getting him back – uh, more involved in the offense, but this is the guy that doesn't really get involved in sets that much. Like we're not running too many plays for Terrence Shannon Jr. He's just so lethal in transition. He creates his own stuff. And you pair, like you said, you pair that ability, him getting 16, 18 points in transition today, just the dunks, alley-oops, just he gets the ball and you got five guys on Illinois sprinting to the other, other side of the court, just trying to make something happen. But you pair that with, the Marcus Damask booty ball, which has worked so well the past month. You pair it with Quincy Garrier, who's turned into – he's an offensive rebound machine. Like, his putbacks, his dunks, his offensive rebounding has been maybe, like, my favorite part of this team to watch. So, you got him. You got Coleman Hawkins playing at a really solid level on offense. Not as much today, but still had a really good game. He still filled up the stat sheet today. You got uh, Justin Harmon, who was averaging in double figures the past month pretty easily. Drops 18 today, a pretty quiet 18. He only hit a couple threes, hit some free throws, got to the hoop pretty easily too. And you just add all that together. And even if like if you need Dane Danger to score a couple, you'll get that probably every night. You get you need Dre Gibbs Lawhorn for some reason. He'll drop some points. You got Moretti back. And this team is looking like a legit top 10, top five offense minimum in the country. You still got two months to play uh, in the season. So we'll see how it turns out eventually. But, yeah, like you're saying, it's it's really scary because you pair the transition, just absolutely lethal, lethal with Terrence. You got Damascus who can run in transition. Coleman loves to run in transition, too. You add that back with the half-court sets with the booty ball. Uh, I think improved three-point shooting the past month, too. I could be wrong. I don't really have numbers on that. But with Harmon shooting pretty well, it seems like they've been shooting better as a team, with Coleman especially, too. You just pair all that together. You still have a really solid defense. And this team is scary, man. In a week, Big Ten, I think this team is in prime position for minimum 14, 15 wins. You got five already. You're five and two. You're sitting at third in the Big Ten pretty comfortably. Uh, Purdue's got two losses. Wisconsin's got a loss already. So you'll need some help. But this team is still in serious contention for a Big Ten title. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and I want to discuss that in a minute here because we had the whole discussion last week about, well, where does, what is this team ceiling assuming Terrence Shannon is out for the rest of the season? And now a week later we have yeah. to flip that and say, what is this team ceiling assuming Terrence Shannon is in for the rest of the season? And it's probably a vastly different answer. Um, but I do just on the, the Terrence Shannon point, just to kind of wrap things, I think there's – kind of three things to me that you immediately are going to see the impact of Terrence Shannon. I don't necessarily think, like you said, half-court offense and just overall efficiency of your offense. I don't really think that's where you're going to see his impact as much, not to say that he doesn't help it, but I don't think that's necessarily where you're going to see it pop up. I think it's going to be in transition, the pace at which Illinois plays. They were playing much slower without him. Now you have a guy who is just so lethal and can get out and run the break, and we saw him get to the free throw line 10 times. Like If Terrence Shannon gets open floor in front of him, he's either going to finish at the rim or he's going to go to the free throw line. 90% of the time and you're not really going to do much about it and I think that's where you're going to see this team start to play a little faster now and get more of those transition opportunities that's going to make their offense that much better I think you're going to see his impact on the defensive end because I think Illinois defense did slip a little bit without him not to say that he fixes everything I still think that there's some defensive questions with this team uh, that we can talk about a little bit that have popped up here the last couple of days. I don't think by any means they were poor on the defensive end today, but I think that there were some cracks that we can get into a little bit. But I do think getting Terrence Shannon back is going to be felt on defense because all of a sudden when you do have those big-time opposing guards and you'll see one on Wednesday night in Boo Booey in Evanston, all of a sudden you don't have to wonder who's going to guard him for – a majority of the game you're going to have a guy that's capable of doing it and a guy that is probably your best perimeter defender um, and I think that that's going to make a big impact and number three I think we're going to feel Terrence Shannon's impact is lengthening your rotation because talked about it last week Illinois was pretty much down to playing six guys which I think me and you kind of disagreed a little bit about what that's going to mean. I think you weren't very worried about it. I was a little more concerned about not to say that I thought it was a huge problem, but I was a little concerned. You're down to six guys and you got Marcus Damask having to play 39 minutes in games. And, you know, Justin Harmon, who's, you know, I, I like a lot as a player is playing like 30 minutes without Terrence Shannon. Now all of a sudden, he can go back more into that sixth man role where he's maybe giving you 20 to 22 minutes. Luke Goody doesn't have to be on the court for 35 minutes. He can probably, I would assume, either Wednesday or Saturday, whenever it is, when Terrence Shannon reenters the starting lineup, all of a sudden Luke Goody goes back to the bench, which I think suits him a little better. And you're just taking the weight off of these guys' shoulders and you're not – you know, putting as much stress on each individual guy. You're just adding more depth to your lineup. And I think you saw that even today, like Justin Harmon comes in and gives you 18 points after he was struggling a little bit for a couple games because I think he was getting a little worn out playing so much and having to fill in so much and take on such a bigger role without Terrence. And now he can just give you more of a spark and be more of a complimentary piece than a guy that's relied upon to do so much for you. And the same goes with Damask. Like for as good as Damask had been, all of a sudden you don't have to turn to him backing guys down 15 times a game and having to take 18 shots for you. He can be more of a complimentary scorer once Terrence gets back involved, which I think he was really starting to settle into before he got suspended. So I just think, I think those are the three areas you're going to feel Terrence's impact and it's going to be major. And, uh, and there's just no question that adding a mid season first team, all American immensely changes the outlook of this team. They were still good without him. They could be pretty great with him, assuming that he's back and is in the right mental space. Even if he's rusty for 
he could be rusty for a month and it still raises the ceiling and the floor of this team so much. Uh, like we were saying last week, without him, we still think it's minimum top four team in the Big Ten. But I would I don't know about your opinion, but I'm guessing you're pretty similar to me. I think with him, if he's back for the rest of the year, I think this team has a legit legit chance to win the Big Ten. I'm not even talking about the Big Ten tournament. I think we'll go far in March with or without him if he's somehow out again for some reason. But um, I think it helps that Purdue's got two losses already. Wisconsin slipped up against Penn State. But I think if Illinois just takes care of business for the most part, I think naturally they're going to be in the top two or three for sure in the Big Ten. But I think they can push themselves uh, towards top one and win the conference for the second time in the last few years. Well, yeah, having Terrence Shannon Jr. back is so beneficial for the depth. Take the load off some of these guys' shoulders. I think you'll see some more balanced scoring. Like, I don't think we're going to need Damascus to go for 35 uh, a game too many more times. I think some of these guys' shot attempts are going to go down, which is fine because they've been they've been pretty efficient. I think they'll still be playing super well. Like you said, Goody coming off the bench most likely is going to help a lot. Ty Rogers is going to have the ball in his hands a bit less. But I think even like Terrence Shannon Jr.'s impact in the half court, they really don't run a lot of sets for him. Like a lot of his points in the half court are the top of the key crossover, like step back threes. That seems like that's a lot of his points in the half court. And then, of course, the transition. Or yeah, just running them off screens, getting them to that left yeah, hand where you're not going to sure. get in front of them. Yeah. But um, it's super exciting to see him back. He didn't even play super well today. It was still great uh, in terms of the box score. Still carried the team towards the end of the game. And it, it's just really exciting to see him back. Such a great player. Just so exciting to watch. Like you said, the moment he got in the game, the moment he stood up off the bench, the State Farm Center just pretty much just erupted and stayed that way for the next couple minutes. And got super loud again as he got going towards the end of the game. So just just really fun to see. Can't wait to see what him and the rest of the team do uh, in the upcoming months. Yeah, there was like three distinct stretches of him where he just electrified the building. First, when he came in, he had two assists to Coleman Hawkins in transition, one in alley-oop and another one where he just got out in the open floor, two-on-one situation, dished it off to Coleman for a dunk uh, that forced a Rutgers timeout. And that was like the moment where you're like, all right, this guy's back. He didn't even score a field goal until the second half, but he scored two right away in transition, getting to the rim. It was right when Rutgers made that push. I think they cut the deficit to four where Illinois they cut went, into four, the, yeah. went into the locker room up 12. I think they extended it to 15 early in the second half. And then Rutgers cut it down to four and Terrence Shannon had two transition opportunities where he got to his left hand and finished forced a Rutgers timeout building was electric. And then later in the second half, when the game was pretty much over already, he had a, uh, he got a. I'm trying to remember the sequence. I think he he jumped the passing lane, got a steal, one on zero, fast break, threw down a dunk. The dunk, yeah. uh, and uh, and that one was uh, vintage Terrence Shannon Jr. right there. So he just he energizes the team. You could see the team was energized for him and and everything like that. And that's the other thing too is this is a a teammate who has gone through a situation like this, and and everybody on this Illinois team realizes that. If we want to get to where we want to get to, if Marcus Damas, Quincy Garrier, Justin Harmon want to reach the goals that were probably pitched to them in the recruiting process as fifth-year senior transfers, Terrence Shannon Jr. needs to be on the court for that to be realized. And I think that that is going to energize everybody. And um, but, but like you've mentioned, I think that there might still be some rust there and it might still last through this week or whatever it may be. I think it, it, it shouldn't last too long, even if it does – let's say, you know, he was shooting the ball so well from three before he got suspended. I think that there's a chance that he doesn't really shoot it as well here for a week or two. And even if he doesn't, I think his impact is still massive. If he goes yeah. oh for the oh for his next 15 from three, he's still making a giant impact because of everything else that he does. And we know that that transition game and, and his defensive effort is never going to go away even through that. So um, it's going to be exciting to see how he – reintegrates himself and and there's going to be a point assuming that he is able to play for the rest of the season there's going to be a point whether that's a week whether that's three weeks whether that's late february whenever it is where you realize that yeah this is the guy that we were watching in late december again and that was the thing today like he comes in has the two instant assists but then after that he cooled off a bit i think he airballed a couple threes missed a layup something like that 
and the team's still up double digits at half. They still put up 40 in the half. And then as he gets going towards the end of the game, they go on like a – I think they cut it to four, Rutgers did. And then after that, it was like a 30-10 to 10 run for Illinois. You end up winning by 23. And that's the thing. He can be off. I, like you said, I don't think he'll be off for the next month. Maybe the shooting doesn't return instantly like it did today. But um, just the ceiling and the floor of this team rise so much with him back. Uh, and like I think Justin Harmon said after the game, like we feel like we've got a piece of ourselves back. He said something like that. Like like you said, this is a guy that they've been teammates with for years in some cases. Like it, 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 I'm sure the whole situation played a huge mental toll on everybody. And just having him back was really fun and really beneficial for the team on and off the court, I'm sure. Yeah, I think the Justin Harmon quote was, it just makes the team feel whole again, which, yeah, uh, yeah that, it's a great point. And, uh, and yeah, it, regardless of if Terrence Shannon's shot is going in or whatnot, all of a sudden now he's number one on the Illinois scouting report again. And that's a guy that you have to focus your efforts on stopping and forcing to his right hand. And you know what that's going to do is it's going to open up more opportunities for Damask because that's a guy that's been getting doubled all the time. And all of a sudden, like he's felt the effects of being the number one threat on a scouting report and Coleman Hawkins as well. Like it's just going to open up so much. Uh, But I I do want to focus on some other guys as well. Um, because I think there's some guys that have played really, really well here recently, and, and none other, you mentioned it earlier, but Quincy Guerrier and, and the rebounding that he's giving this team is unlike anything I've seen, like since Kofi Coburn was rebounding the basketball, and this is a guy that's not like a true five. He's a four-man, he's 6'8", but he just, there were questions when he committed from Oregon because I feel like that motor and that intent to rebound maybe wasn't there and I think he was being used as more of a wing and a guy that played out on the perimeter more so at Oregon and now Brad Underwood and the staff has unlocked that sophomore Syracuse version of him where he's going and he's getting you can count him for three four offensive rebounds a game he's averaging eight boards a game this week alone 14 rebounds against Michigan 11 against um, Rutgers today double doubles in eight of his last nine games I mean, he's been fantastic, and then pair that in the front court with what Coleman Hawkins is doing right now. He has 11 steals this week. Six steals against Michigan, five steals today against Rutgers. Uh, His game against Michigan, I think, was maybe the best performance of his career. 21 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, six steals, was just everywhere on the floor. And today, one for seven from three, but that was pretty much the only not – well. He struggled to defend Cliff Amore one-on-one, and that's something we can talk about too. That's just not his game. But he's been fantastic as well. And that front court pairing, like I think the most underrated reason why this team is, is as good as it is, really on both ends of the floor, but it, really especially on the offensive end, is the fact that these two guys complement each other so well. These two guys are both really good on the offensive glass, play really hard and the fact that they can draw gravity on the offensive end step out make shots open up the floor for guys like Damask and now Terrence and even saw it with Justin Harmon today like this Illinois front court has been fantastic with Gary and Hawkins and I think that those two guys deserve a lot of credit for the way that they've played because ever since it ever since like early December when Coleman was battling back from the, the knee injury and Quincy had a wrist issue going on where he just couldn't make a shot, since like early December on, these two guys are playing the best basketball that they've each probably played in their career, and they play so well off each other, and it's been really fun to watch, and I think that that is probably the most underrated reason why this team is as good as it is, is because its front court is awesome. It's scary, man. Like, you look at the first month, like you just said, Quincy Gary is, can't make a shot. He's not playing super well, really any aspect of the game. And then he just turns on this past month and a half or whatever it's been. Like he is a walking double-double at this point, which is something he hasn't done in three years. Like you think back to the offseason for me, at least, you watch his highlights like at Oregon, you watch a scouting report or two and you're like, all right, you're getting a slightly versatile, like experienced guy who's going to be a stretch four probably for this team. And I, like I don't, I, I didn't watch a ton of hours of film on Quincy Garrier because he's been in the, he's been in college for four years. He's been at two stops, Syracuse and Oregon. Like, and those are two different versions of him. Like uh, Syracuse, he's rebounding. He's 
he's playing a totally different version of basketball than he was at Oregon. So you don't really know what you expect to get out of him uh, coming into this season at Illinois. And you see the first month he's shaky. But he is like – he's been hitting shots from three, of course. He's rebounding at an insane level defensively and offensively. Like if a ball's on the rim off an Illinois miss – I'm like almost expecting a monster Quincy Garrier put back dunk at this point or Ty Rogers or somebody like that. Like it's, it's, it's it seems like every game he has a monster put back dunk. He has a couple threes and probably eight to 10 rebounds a game, which has been, he's, I think he's definitely the unsung hero of this team, probably along with Justin Harmon, who's been a really great scorer off the bench recently for Illinois. But yeah, you mentioned Coleman Hawkins. That, that game against Michigan was just unreal. Honestly, I think, that was easily better than his triple-double from a couple years back against Syracuse. Um, easily the best game of his, of his career, offensively, defensively. He's just he's on another level right now, even if he was slightly off today. But, yeah, you pair that with Damask, who's been – even like you mentioned earlier, Damask is getting double-teamed. And with Shannon back, he'll be, he'll be seeing less defensive pressure uh, on the scouting report. That's going to help him so much. But even with the double-teams, even with – advanced pressure on him the past month he's been still competing at a really high level he's been scoring at a really high level too like all these guys have and I, I just think you add Terrence Shannon Jr. back I don't want to talk too much about him anymore but um, just you add him back these guys have proven the past month that, that that they can ball at a high level without Terrence Shannon Jr. Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, and you just you add him back and they take the pressure off him or he takes the pressure off these guys it's going to be really fun to watch and Quincy Garrier, Coleman Hawkins, these guys are going to be – they're going to benefit from that for sure. And it's just going to make this team a lot scarier. Yeah, it, it just feels like everybody has fit in so perfectly together. And it was that way, and it was pretty incredible. Like we saw late December, you think back to that Missouri game and that little stretch FAU – we were starting to see that it didn't change at all when Terrence went out, which is a credit to Brad Underwood and this older team for not allowing that to change. Now you add him back in. I have no concerns that there's going to be any disruption in that. It feels like everybody has found their role on this team. It's so hard to even nitpick most of these guys in terms of like complaining about certain things that they're not doing. Like these guys are, each bringing a ton to this team. Like, yeah, could you, would you want to see Luke Goody make some more shots? Sure. Would you like to see Justin Harmon improve a little bit on the defensive end against some of these guards? But those things are all so trivial at this point because everybody has been just contributing at such a high level and you don't know where one night certain scoring output or defensive effort or rebounding is going to come from because everybody's doing it. And it's, it's just, yeah, I think that can kind of segue us into now you add Terrence Shannon Jr. back, who's obviously one of the best players in the country. And, you know, you alluded to it earlier. You kind of shared your thoughts earlier. But, yeah, let's have the, the discussion that we had last week again. Where is this team ceiling right now? Assuming we'll, we'll act under the assumption that Terrence Shannon Jr. will play through the NCAA tournament at this point, and that could change at some point. But for now, that's what we'll, we'll act like. I mean – you mentioned that you think this team can challenge for a Big Ten title. I probably agree with you. I I still would have Purdue as the favorite, but I think Illinois is their clear best challenger. I I thought without Terrence, maybe Wisconsin with Terrence was Illinois is the clear number two in this conference. And who knows? There's a game in Champaign on March 5th against Purdue. Maybe that one decides the conference. How fun would that be if it did? Both teams have two losses right now. It's just going to be about taking care of business. But, uh, yeah, I mean, wh what do you think the ceiling of this team is? you think it's a Final Four team if Terrence Shannon Jr. plays? I mean, do you think that's where this team could go? I, I don't want to get ahead of myself because you look back since Illinois has been relevant again. Like, you look back to the uh, I.O. sophomore year team. You look back to I.O. junior year I think every year you could have said, yeah, I, I think Illinois got it this year. I think they're sweet 16 minimum. I think they have a chance at a final four and it just hasn't worked out. Like, I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. It's impossible to tell, but I think this team more than any other, besides maybe the 2021 team has the tools to potentially reach a final four to maybe make an, uh, make an elite eight, make a run in the big 10 tournament, whatever it may be, just some extended success in March. Like you've got, uh, solid, uh, solid enough defense at this point. I think it will probably improve 
uh, from this point towards the end of March with Terrence Shannon Jr. back. And you've got just an elite offense at this point. Like, we can just call it what it is. This offense is one of the best in the country without a doubt. We've seen it over the course of the last month. And it, I think that's pretty set in stone right now. I think it may even just get better at this point. You've got uh, a solid coach. He hasn't really won in March, but I think he is a solid coach that can help, He's you, win, a great help coach. win you games in March. He is. I, yeah. I, the, uh, the people that I, disagree I, I, with that are my least favorite faction of the Illinois fan base. Brad <laughs> Underwood is a coach that I'm putting my full trust in. I don't care that he lost a couple round of 32 games. Yeah, I don't know how there's still doubters. Like, I get the tournament record, but th- this program was in the dumps for probably 10 years-ish besides a couple years. He comes back, and within three years, he's back one seed in the tournament, most wins in the Big Ten over the past four years. I, I don't get how there's still doubters. But like I was saying, really experienced team playing at a high level right now. Offense and defense are right where they need to be in terms of efficiency and overall rating. If you're looking at Ken Palm or something, if you really care about that in terms of what teams make a final four traditionally, but I really think they have all the tools and adding back a potential all American as of a month ago, just going to help even more. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be one of the most experienced teams in the tournament. They're going to have one of the best players in the tournament, presumably. Uh, And there, I just, I think that, it's a team that can beat you in so many different ways. Cause if you take one guy away, here comes another guy that's going to come at you. It's a really physical team. It's a, a, at least a very good defensive team. Well, not sure that they're maybe as good as we thought preseason, but we'll, we'll, that'll remain to be seen with Terrence Shannon back. I think it'll improve, like you said. And I think there's a couple holes, especially maybe against post threats that might, that might scare you, but I still think that they've got capable defenders I think they can score on anybody, and that's something I never thought I'd say. I think this Illinois team can score on absolutely anybody you put in front of them in the tournament, which has been a concern in other years, uh, which has held this team back, especially last year. Like you didn't, I didn't think they could score on anyone. This year I think they can score on anybody. Um, but, yeah, you got the experience. You've got a, a coach that I trust a ton, and I, I just think – this team can beat you any way that they want to. And whether that's playing a slower game and getting into the half court and finding matchups with Damask and Shannon and Rogers and Gary, they can beat you that way with physicality and overpowering you physically. They can now with Terrence Shannon back, they can beat you in an up and down game because they got one of the most lethal transition players in all of college basketball and, and willing passers and, and great athletes out in the open floor uh, they can beat you in a slower defensive game. I still trust them to do that. They can beat you in a shootout because they can score with you. I think this team is built to beat anybody. Does that mean that they're a shoe-in for the Final Four? Absolutely not because it's March. But I do agree that since that Iowa and Kofi 2021 team and really just in, in totality of Brad Underwood seven years here, it's that team and this team that have had the best chance to break through and make that deep march run. I believe that. And with Terrence Shannon back, I absolutely believe that. I was a little skeptical without him. With him, though, I think you absolutely are there. And they could have without him. I still think that they could have that type of ceiling without him, but now you add him back. And I absolutely believe that the ceiling of this team is probably heading to the heading to the final four and I don't want to say that don't want to get ahead of myself like you said but I I think that's on the table if everything goes right and this team plays like we've seen them capable of playing I think there's very few teams that are going to stand in their way so uh, I I think I I think it's an exciting time to be a fan of this Illinois basketball program on the court Uh, maybe not off the court for for a couple reasons but on the court it's it's pretty fun to watch this team play um, let's talk about this upcoming week to close out the show. Two more games on the docket for this team uh, as they head to Evanston on Wednesday night to take on Northwestern, who they beat by 30 in Champaign without Terrence Shannon Jr. And now the Wildcats are going to have to see number zero for the first time this year. It is a road game, though. It'll be Terrence Shannon Jr.'s first road game since coming back. So that's going to be something that he's going to have to handle for the rest of the year. But um, it, it's tough to win on the road in the conference. That's something that's been established. Northwestern has had a lot of success at home, beat Purdue there, just beat Maryland there, beat Michigan State there in a blowout. 
this is going to be a tough game for Illinois with with Terrence Shannon back. That doesn't change it. I think this is going to be a difficult game. I think it's one Illinois can and probably should still win. But uh, this Northwestern team is really good at home. They've got a really good player in Boo Booey who was off in the first game against Illinois. I feel like some of his shots will fall a little bit more here in Evanston in his home building. That's somebody that you're going to have to slow down. And I think that uh, obviously Northwestern's a team that didn't have any success with their post doubles on Damask and trying to double team the booty ball action that Illinois was running at them in the first matchup. I do think that they're going to make some adjustments and I think that it'll be a, a look that Illinois is going to have to handle um, in some of those matchups because Northwestern's really, really aggressive trying to force the ball out of your hands when you try to get into a one-on-one -on -one situation. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on the game in Evanston? Uh, this would be a quad one win for Illinois, which they only have two of currently. Uh, what do you make of this matchup? Obviously, uh, you, your perspective may be swayed a little bit by the fact that Illinois ran this team out of the gym in, in Champaign without Shannon. But do you agree that this is one to, to not take lightly on Wednesday night? Yeah, I totally agree. I do say I, – I will say I think it helps that it's in Evanston – not like I, I don't want to play a road game, but it is in Illinois State. Like fifty there will percent be Illinois fans. Illinois fans. Yeah, minimum. Yeah, and they got a pretty weak student section, in my opinion, too. There are a lot of nerds over there, <laughs> but definitely, I wouldn't say to take them lightly. Like I think, if if for some reason they're running that double trap again, I think Illinois is going to look look like the '96 Bulls again. But <laughs> I wouldn't expect them to do that. Like I think both teams will make the necessary adjustments. So I think it'll be a totally different game. I doubt Illinois puts up 96 again, but you do have Terrence Shannon Jr. back, somebody that uh, Northwestern has had trouble with in the past. Like that, you think back to that game in Champaign last year, Terrence Shannon lights it up on the offensive end in the second half and completely locks down Boo Booey in the second half. Just total game changer. So, uh, I mean, you look, at, you look at Northwestern, they beat Purdue, they slip up against Illinois, they slipped up recently against Nebraska on the road. But like you said, winning on the road, is it's really tough in this conference this year and every year, really. But definitely not a game to take lightly. Like Boo Booey, even if Shannon's back and playing defense at a high level, Boo Booey can still go off for 20-plus. They've got Barnheiser, who's been playing a lot better. He just dropped, I want to say, 20-plus at Nebraska. I will say their their front court depth is still suspect. Like they've, they've got Nicholson, who I think Coleman and Garrier can definitely take care of offensively at least and defensively because he averages like five points a game they've got like martinelli who's not a great player really they got langborg i think the guards are really going to be the people that give us trouble if anybody does like ty Berry's a solid guy that can get going from three if he needs to langborg's been playing pretty well uh boo booey of course i don't think it's a team to take lightly like you look back to last year's game in evanston and Illinois pretty much just gets steamrolled from the tip. Like Sky Clark leaves the team after the game. And uh, it's a dangerous place, I guess. I still think Illinois pulls out the win in the end. I think they're more talented. They're more experienced. They've been playing better besides the Maryland slip-up than Northwestern has. Uh, it should be a fun game. It's a rivalry game, technically, even though we own them by like 70 wins in our history. But uh, anything can happen, so we'll see. I think we do get the win in the end, though. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think this team is just playing really well right now, aside from the one slip up against Maryland. And I think that this is one of those games like you to make up for that home loss that's going to go down as a bad loss. Now you go on the road against a team like Northwestern, and that's one of those wins that would be really nice to kind of cancel out that home loss uh, because it has been tough for anybody to win on the road in the Big Ten. I had the the metric up here of road teams record in the conference this year, it is uh, 14 and 37 are big 10 road teams in conference play so far, which is uh, second in the uh, high major conferences in terms of road winning or home winning percentage. So I think that it's going to be a tight game. It's not going to be a 30-point blowout. I can confidently say Illinois is not going to run them out of the gym like they did in Champaign. I think it's going to be a slower, uglier game. 
where I think that there are going to be some things offensively. I know we just hyped up that Illinois offense. I still think they're going to have plenty of success, especially if Northwestern is as weak with their post doubles as they were in Champaign. I mean, they just had no clue what they were doing, and Illinois picked them apart. I think that they're going to be better. They're going to adjust, uh, try to throw some different things at Illinois, and, and try to slow it down and and just kind of play more of this Northwestern style game where it's boo-booey in the half court versus Illinois in the half court. And it's going to be tough to do with Terrence Shannon back in there, but I think that's going to be their intent. I, I, I agree with you though. I think Illinois gets this one. Um, and I think it starts a nice little run here for the Illini because you look at their schedule and uh, it's pretty favorable here coming up. There's, there's some tough road games at Michigan state's going to be tough in early February at Ohio state's not going to be easy, but uh, I, I think that there's going to be an energy that returns to this team with Shannon back and, uh, and Chris Collins probably uh, wasn't too fond of hearing that he's going to have to deal with Terrence Shannon now in, uh, in the second game, knowing that uh, they didn't need him to beat him by 30 in the first game. So I'm with you. I think Illinois takes care of uh, the Wildcats on Wednesday night. I don't think it'll be easy, but I think they've just got way more firepower. And uh, I think the key, again, is just going to be, and we talked about it at the end of the first matchup, and they did it, don't let Boo Booey go off because when he goes off, uh, he can carry Northwestern. He, him and Jameer Young had a heck of a battle uh, earlier this week. I think that was Tuesday or Wednesday night where he had a heck of a game and kind of carried Northwestern on his shoulders to a win, had 30 points against Purdue, carried them on his shoulders, but uh, you throw a, a big-time perimeter defender in Shannon at him now in this game, and I think that Illinois can make life tough on him. So uh, I'm with you on that one. Saturday, Illinois will face the Indiana Hoosiers for the first and only time. State Farm Center, 2 p.m. Um, should be awesome environment for that one, even though it's not your typical Illinois-Indiana game because this Indiana team is bad at basketball. They are not good. That's uh, safe you to say. It. I did call it. And that was like my boldest. When we did our Big Ten preseason prediction, I think my boldest prediction was I had Indiana 10th in the conference and it's aging pretty well. Don't check where I picked Maryland. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Indiana, that one was that one's definitely aging well. Uh, they, they just aren't very good. It, it's a team that is really limited offensively. Barely any guard play. Xavier Johnson, who was expected to be their best guard, is getting kicked out of games with flagrant fouls and not giving them anything and has been injured. Uh, you know, you got Gabe Cups, a freshman who plays, Trey Galloway, but they've got no guard play on that team. Their front court's good, but there's some deficiencies there, and, and the fit is a little clunky with Malik Renew and Kalil Ware and uh, Mackenzie Mbaka, the five-star reclass freshman. There's talent. I mean, they got four or five stars that play in their rotation, I think. Uh, but it's a, it's a team that just isn't doing much. And, you know, they, this past week they get absolutely blown out at home in a rivalry game against Purdue, blown out on the road at Wisconsin. They're four and four in the Big Ten. I think that's going to come back down to earth. But bottom line here is at home Saturday, big time environment. I think it's the first Saturday home conference game Illinois had so far this year. And uh, I think Illinois should beat the heck out of this Indiana team. I think they're much better. I think that they're going to cook them defensively. And uh, their guard play is non-existent. And I think Illinois should have their way with this team if they – uh, come to play. So uh, thoughts on, on Indiana? Uh, my initial thought is we're due for a win against them. We won a couple uh, a couple years ago and a couple in a row, I mean, and they've got a couple in a row since. Like, Was it last year that they came into Champaign and beat us by like 20 plus? Trace Jackson Davis at 35, I believe. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, that's right. Indiana blew Illinois out in Champaign, and then Illinois went to Bloomington without Terrence Shannon Jr. due to injury, I believe, and uh, nearly beat them in a tight game. Had R.J. Melendez missed a last-second three that would have sent it to overtime, and uh, they lost that one in Bloomington. So swept last year, and then two years they ago. They beat us in the Big Ten tournament. That's yeah. right. Eight seed Indiana or nine seed, eight or nine, beat number one seed Illinois in the Big Ten tournament. Good call. So three in a row for the Hoosiers. Illinois is due. Yeah, so I, I think we're due. And obviously, like you're saying, this team is nowhere near the level of the TJD teams. Although they were only really good for one year, which was last year with him and uh, Hood Shafino. But yeah, like 
guard depth is horrible. Like Gabe Cups plays, he plays, but he doesn't uh, really affect the game too much. Xavier Johnson's been terrible recently. I mean, Ware is a really solid player, but he, I think it's kind of sh- he's shown already he can't really carry the team unless it's uh, a couple cases. But I watched like the first half of their game versus Wisconsin. I didn't catch the second half, but their offense was so stagnant. Like it looked worse than the Illinois offense last season with Guy Clark and these guys running it. Their offense was just terrible. And I, like I, I'm just checking the box score right now. They ended up putting up 79, scored 53 in the second half somehow. I, I didn't see how that happened, but Wisconsin uh, called the off the dogs. That's basically <laughs> what happened. Yeah. Uh, Indiana was running a pressure five towards the end of the game, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but like, I don't know. This team isn't good. Like, they've got talent. Like you said, they got five stars. This should be an easy win for Illinois. Uh, a little payback for last year, that game. We were hyping that game up last year as, like, the big marquee televised matchup, big home matchup for Illinois, and we got steamrolled. So I think we're due for a little payback. And this team just they don't they don't have the firepower. They're not playing well together. I don't think Mike Woodson's gonna last too much longer in Indiana uh, if he keeps up this level of play for much longer. But we'll see. It's the Big Ten. It helps a lot that we're at home. They can't really win on the road. It seems like, and they've lost a couple in a row at this point now. So I don't think there's too much to say about this game. Like it's similar to this Rutgers game, honestly. Like. Poor offense, maybe decent defense. I really don't even know, to be honest. But in the end, I think you're expecting a win out of Illinois pretty easily. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, yeah, this Indiana team just it just doesn't fit well together. I, I, I said that preseason, and it's just you don't have any guards and you have a bunch of front court pieces that have to share the court. Like, I'll tell you one shoot. thing. Yeah. You can't shoot. Yeah, can't shoot. Don't have any guards that are giving you anything. I, if there was one minor concern in this matchup, it's that I think Illinois, in the in terms of post interior defense, has struggled a little bit here recently. Coleman Hawkins has gotten overpowered by some big men uh, in one on one situations. I think Mike Woodson will probably try to get renew and wear in some post up opportunities that Illinois will probably have to defend, but. I'll tell you one thing, Illinois offensively, if they play their five out lineup with Coleman out there and, and five shooters on the court <laughs> and you got Kalel Ware and Renew and all those bigs trying to guard on the perimeter, Illinois might put up a hundred at home against <laughs> Indiana. I, I don't know how they're defending this Illinois lineup with those bigs that's sharing the court together. I think Illinois is going to cook them on the offensive end. I hope that that take doesn't age poorly. I'm pretty confident it won't, but I don't see any any way Indiana gets stops in this game if Illinois is is attacking the basket and attacking closeouts on those big guys and forcing those guys to chase shooters and guard on the perimeter, which they should if you're playing the right lineup, if you're Brad Underwood. And, uh, yeah, I think Illinois takes care of this Indiana team, I'm assuming. Officially, you'd be on the same page in predicting a blowout victory on Saturday over Indiana, which Illinois is definitely due for. Um, so yeah, two and a week this week. If you get a road win at Northwestern, take care of Indiana at home. Four straight wins since that Maryland game. That would put you at seven and two in the Big Ten. Is that correct? Yes, it would put you at yeah. seven and two in the conference, which would uh, would have to check Wisconsin's schedule. But if Wisconsin trips up and loses, okay, they're at Minnesota and at home against Michigan State. And if Michigan State beats them, all of a sudden you're tied for the lead in the conference or at the very least on pace there a game back. Like you're putting yourself in a good spot. I think that Northwestern game is going to be the key game this week. Um, but uh, got to take care of Indiana as well. Um, any final thoughts here as we close things out? As uh, this Illinois team, we're, vibes are high. It's about as, as – glowingly as we've talked on this podcast here it's uh, we're feeling pretty good about this group right now vibes are high and you're potentially adding a pretty highly touted freshman or junior year recruit good out call. of high school tomorrow with jeremiah fears which would be really awesome i've seen him play a couple times in person because like he was playing at bennett my high school uh, last year he's a really talented player he's, he's flashy he can pretty much do everything offensively on the court so, I mean, that would be a really great addition. We haven't talked about recruiting too much on this podcast just because there really hasn't been too much news besides uh, Jace Butler a couple months ago. But that would be a really solid addition to this uh, upcoming class. 
Yeah, great call. I forgot to hit on that. But yeah, Jeremiah Fears, four-star class of 2025 guard is committing tomorrow as in Monday. So actually when this gets released Monday morning, it'll be today uh, at 2 p.m., I believe, is when Joe Tipton yeah. tweeted out that he's announcing. So all signs indicate crystal balls are in. Illinois should be the choice there. That would kick off Illinois' 2025 class with a top 40 prospect and a guy that, like you said, I haven't seen him in person, but I've done a little bit of uh, of watching and research on him, and he just stands out as a pure bucket getter, a guy that's going to yeah. light up the scoreboard and maybe you develop him into more of a true point guard or maybe he's more of an off guard that'll be seen. We can dive into it a little deeper on next episode after he officially commits and we uh, get confirmation that uh, some last second recruiting drama doesn't happen because you never know. But uh, all signs indicate that uh, Jeremiah Fears will be joining Illinois so we can talk a little bit more in depth on the next episode. But uh, that should wrap things up. Uh, on this episode of the Champagne on Ice podcast, make sure to go drop a follow on our Twitter at Champagne on Ice, active on there. Subscribe, feel the 68 Podcast Network YouTube channel to never miss the video version of our episodes. And subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere else you get your podcast to listen to us every time we drop a new episode, which is every Monday morning uh, during the college basketball season. And uh, next week, we'll be back to recap a game at Northwestern, a game at home against Indiana, talk more about Terrence Shannon's reintegration process, and hopefully talk about landing a big-time recruit on the high school front as well. But until then, this has been the Champagne on Ice podcast, and hope everybody has a great week. Go Illini. Let's make it a 2-0 and week and get to 7-2 in the conference. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.